Welcome to the Maritime Podcast for our latest episode of Maritime in Minutes. You are listening to Marcus Hand, editor of Sea Trade Maritime News, and Gary Howard, Europe editor of Sea Trade Maritime News. Maritime in Minutes is our monthly podcast where we pick out some of the most topical news stories from the world of maritime on Sea Trade Maritime News. And today we're covering July 2022. We've moved into what's supposed to be summer, the summer lull, although apparently no one remembered to tell the shipping industry. So Gary, what do you have to kick us off for our look back at July? So my week one pick in this review of July is a review of the first six months of the year. Paul Bartlett wrote a story on Clarkson's Clark Sea Index, cross-segment temperature check of shipping markets, which came within 1% of its all-time record during the first six months of 2022. That was a 7% boost on the last half of 2021, and a mere 157% above the 10-year average, according to Clarkson's data. This wasn't just down to the astronomical rates in the container sector, though, as nearly all markets were well above trend. Car carriers hit all-time highs. LNG carriers are doing quite well, as we all know. Check out the full story in the show notes for the rest of the stats and why, despite that high number, Clarkson's has actually trimmed its seaborne trade growth predictions for 2022. That's an interesting postscript there about their predictions for 2022 as a whole on trade growth. For my pick for the first week from July, it's something quite different. Uh, While shipping may as a whole be booming, there is still a much darker side of the industry that remains. I've chosen to highlight a story on cargo liquefaction, and that's being the highest cause of the loss of life in the dry bulk shipping industry over the last decade. The statistics make for grim reading. 70 seafarers lost their lives over the last decade in five bulk carrier casualties involving cargo liquefaction, four of which were carrying nickel ore and one loaded with bauxite. While liquefaction accounted for 18.5% of 27 bulk carrier total losses over the last 10 years, it was the cause of 76.1% of the 92 deaths among seafarers in those casualties. Even more sadly, none of this is actually new. It's been happening for decades. The causes of cargo liquefaction are well known, relating to poor storage on land, improper testing of moisture content of the cargo, and pressure from the port and shipper side to load cargoes that shouldn't be. The reality is, though, cargoes are loaded in very remote locations where port facilities could be politely described as rudimentary and where the rule of law, how shall we say, is not what it might be. If you want to know more about this topic, Intercargo, that highlighted these latest numbers, has been campaigning on the issue for years, and the likes of P&I consultants Pandyman in Manila have some really quite shocking presentations on this trade. And on that sobering note, I'm going to pass back to Gary to move on to week two. So for week two from me, it's a story from the cutting edge of renewable fuels, something that we're talking about quite a lot at the moment. It's a little maritime adjacent, but it could be something that we come to rely on in the coming decades. 10 European and Japanese organisations are putting their heads together to try and slash the cost and energy requirements of creating methanol by hydrogenating CO2. The research has been underway for a year now and is moving on to construct three different types of reactor to make this methanol and test over 100 different catalysts across the reactors to try and find an edge over the current thermal process. 
the research is very much focused on those catalysts and who knows this could prove a crucial step in securing the volumes of renewable methanol that parts of our industry and other industries will need to reach decarbonisation targets in the future. Over to you Marcus. Well cost effective renewable fuels is going to be a very big issue in the years and decades to come. For week two I'm returning to the topic of the industry boom, in particular container shipping. South Korean container line and dry bulk shipping company HMM was the latest to set out what it's going to do with some of those vast profits it's been earning. Laying out its mid-term strategy, HMM plans to invest more than 15 trillion Korean won, that's about $11.47 billion, through to 2026, with two-thirds of that earmarked for ships, terminals and logistics facilities. The company plans to expand its container shipping fleet from around 820,000 TEU at present to 1.2 million TEU by 2026, and it also plans to grow its dry bulk fleet from around 29 ships at the current time to 55 vessels by 2026. So some pretty major expansion plans there by HMM. And that brings us to week three. If you're enjoying listening, make sure you never miss an episode of the Maritime Podcast by subscribing on the app of your choice. Amazingly, we've got to week three and we haven't mentioned supply chain disruption yet. But Gary, I believe you're going to change that. Yes, it's not because there hasn't been any supply chain disruption, I'm sorry to say. I'm taking two stories for the week three. There's nothing you can do to stop me. First up, Container Exchange reported falling prices for containers across Europe and China, blaming the situation on oversupply as equipment continues to emerge from the brambly mess of supply chain disruption. The story cites dreary data indicating an oversupply of boxes of some 6 million TEU across the globe. Now, this is the result of what Container Exchange called panic ordering in the earlier stages of the pandemic, when half the world had no containers and the other half was running out of places to put all of its empties. And following on from that, another story from the same company, based on a webinar they hosted in week three, looking at demurrage and detention trends in the box sector, the panel they put together shared some great insights and forecasts for the container market, not least of all an expectation that there will essentially be no peak season this year as rates fail to take off so far. I'll just pick out a juicy quote from George Griffiths, who's the editor at Global Container Freight at S&P Global Commodity Insights. And he said, I firmly believe if nobody wants to ship anything on a container in the next six months, we still wouldn't fix the issues that we've got in the market at this point. The market is really snarled up and it's going to take a lot of effort to fix it. Again, link in the show notes to both of these stories for those of you interested in the container market or if you're just wondering how long it will be for shipping packages internationally to be a sensible price again. Marcus? Yeah, that could be a little wait, that sort of thing. Yeah, I'm actually uh, going to continue in week three with the container shipping and supply chain disruption. And in some good news, we reported that port congestion in the US West Coast ports had abated somewhat. However, the bad news was it's got much worse on the US East Coast. We looked at figures from the McCowan Container Report that there were now more vessels waiting outside the ports of New York and Houston than Los Angeles and Long Beach. What is happening here could be likened to the old arcade game Whack-A-Mole. In an effort to avoid congestion in US West Coast ports, lines diverted more services to the all-water route via the Panama Canal to US East Coast ports. The result was, not surprisingly, more congestion at ports on the East Coast. 
And that's really a scenario that's been played out globally, and there seems little resolution in sight, as was noted by the previous commentator from S&P. And with that, Gary, I'm going to hand over to you for the final week of July. And more bad news about ports from the other side of the pond. <laughs> yeah, just a comment on your last bit. It feels, well, on really the podcast so far, it seems that there's kind of a pendulum swinging in a lot of our stories where, you know, something gets to one extreme and then you leave it a few months and it gets to another extreme, whether it's coast to coast in the US or it's a lack of containers that are massive oversupply. I'm sure there'll be nothing to come from the record rates in the container industry. I'm sure they won't ever swing back the other way, right? No, of course not. <laughs> yeah. My week four pick is, well, I've rolled the dice a bit on this one. I wrote this less than a day ago, and there's a small chance that it kind of won't come to pass. But workers at the UK's port Felixstowe have voted in favour of a strike. Felixstowe is the biggest container port we have over here, and it's a good hunting ground for mega vessels. They're often entertaining the world's largest vessels just up the coast from me. It's sort of one of the major ports in the European and global rotations. It turns out that when inflation by one measure is at 11.9% in the UK and you offer a 5% pay rise to your employees, your employees consider that bad. No dates have yet been announced for the strike yet, and both sides have agreed to schedule some mediation, so perhaps this will be smoothed over. But if not, it'll be another series of bad headlines for shipping logistics in the UK, which hasn't really been able to catch a break since, well, Brexit, I suppose. We're in summer holiday season over here in the UK, for instance, and over the last weekend, we welcomed it with multiple hour tailbacks at Dover in the Eurotunnel, our main connections to the continent, and that may well be repeated over the course of the summer. And it's worth mentioning, it's not just port workers that are unhappy with pay in a time of rising inflation here. We've got a whole mess of rail strikes over the past couple of months and rumbling on throughout the summer. And I can't imagine that the combination of rail and port strikes combined is going to be anything good for the logistics sector here in general. Yes, the UK does seem to be having a summer of discontent. Gary, I'm sure you'll be keeping C-Trade Maritime newsreaders up to date on what happens with that story at Felix Dove. So make sure you visit www.ctrade-maritime.com to get updates on that. And moving to my choices for the last week of July, I'm going to take two stories as well. Following on from one of Gary's stories from week three, I'd just like to highlight an excellent contribution from our New York correspondent, Barry Parker. It's on the new rules from the Federal Maritime Commission relating to the controversial subject of demurrage and detention at US ports. Barry guides the reader through the changes you need to know. There are far too many to list out on this podcast, so you guessed it, go to www.ctrade-maritime.com and read the story. The link will be in the show notes. The other story that stood out for me was one of those sign of the times stories. That is, the UK Hydrographic Office is going to stop producing paper charts, with all its navigation products going fully digital. The stopping of production paper charts will be phased through to the end of 2026, and really should come as little surprise given the mandating of ECTIS and the push to integrated digital solutions. But it does mark the loss of the use of manual navigational skills by mariners that have been in use for generations. Not to sound too luddite about all of this, there is also questions of what happens if electronic navigation systems stop working, for example in a cyber attack, something that has been highlighted by a number of readers on my LinkedIn feed. Yes, and I think we've all been in the situation where you have a power cut and are really glad to have a candle in the cupboard as well. Yeah, so there you go. Your paper chart is your candle in that case.
And that brings us to the end of our July roundup. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Mail Time in Minutes. Make sure you stay on the top of the news by signing up for our newsletter at www.ctrade-maritime.com. That's all we have time for. Stay safe, and myself and Gary look forward to talking to you at the beginning of September. <laughs>